He's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the Transparent Troop. It's your boy, Coach Keith. I'm in the building, Intercom Studios, in the Miracle Mile, Masculine and Wilshire, back in L.A., excited to be back. Long 13-day road trip with two days at home, finally back in sunny Southern California, the city of angels, baby. And when I'm back in my home soil, it's always important for me to link up with my main man, Greg Biggins. GB, what it do? Oh, it's just great, Keith. Just great. Just good times. Nothing nothing but good times right now. You're having a great morning. You sound like just you're enthused awesome about life. Morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, it- yeah. Well, that, that's a great thing, my friends. Good to have you on the back. Good to have, good to have, good to have the show back, man. We've been a little MIA. We're sorry, but, uh, you know, duty calls. But good to to be back on air and, and, and talking to all our listeners and all our fans out there. But um, let's get right into it, Greg Bingens. We have some recruiting to get to. We got a sleeper up out of the Long Beach area. We're going to talk a little Hall of Fame, World Bowl, Elite Academy in Canton, Ohio. We're going to touch on um, the Mission Viejo 7-on-7 seven seven tournament. That was so well ran. We'll get into that shortly. And we'll talk a little bit rankings and quarterbacks to kind of end the show. But GB, as always on The Transparent Truth, my man, we like to start it off with recruiting. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Hit us with what you got. Yeah, I know. It has been a little bit, so I'm not even sure where we ended up. And, and so just kind of just a basically a cl- emptying out the notebook, I'll call it. Just guys who made commitments. Um, just some, some top-tier guys over the last maybe couple of weeks. Uh, Washington uh, is on a nice run right now. Obviously, the, the big one was Sam Adams yesterday uh, out of Cathedral Catholic High School in, in Washington, Eastside Catholic in Washington. Uh, really good-looking two-way player, running back safety. A lot of people... Uh, including my, my guy, B. Huff, love him at the safety. Uh, but Sam wants to play running back, and that was where the Washington Huskies recruited him at. So big pop, Sam Adams Sr. played O-line at Texas A&M, but Sam is going to stay local and run the ball for Washington. Also, Mason West from La Habra, and then the huge one was Miles Morale from Notre Day. I think a lot of people thought that Miles was, wasn't going to be able to leave home. You know, Obviously, he's very close with his mother. And uh, I heard from a lot of people saying there's no way Miles will leave. There's no way Miles will leave. Him and his mom are just too dang tight. But you know what? Miles is leaving. And if there was one school I thought could potentially pull him, it would be Washington. Uh, he took an official visit literally the, the, right the weekend right before the opening. And when I talked to him at the opening, I definitely got a Washington buy from him. And then he committed like the next, the next day when they got back. So Washington pulling in some elite talent. Mason West, La Habra. Uh, has had a really good offseason, big, strong tight end. Sam Adams and Miles Morale, Huskies, all of them, Keith. Yeah, no doubt about it. Sam Adams. Sam Adams. Sam Adams, a versatile playmaker, both sides of the ball. Greg, I know people like his ceiling as a safety. I really like him as a running back. A little bit of a late bloomer, but I really love Sam Adams just as an overall athlete, a guy that can make plays with the football in his hands. Moving along, Mason West, about a La Habra, big, strong tight end down the middle of the field. He's a, a, a you know, a, a 
a inline tight end with a lot of the attributes of a, you know, I guess you can call it a, a back-in-the-day tight end or a pro-style tight end. But the guy can catch the ball down the field. It's really improved over the last six to nine months. And then finally, Miles Morale, the quintessential anchor in the middle of the line for the Huskies at the next level. I expect him to play and play a lot early and really be the centerpiece or the nucleus of that offensive line in Seattle for years to come. Yeah, in fact, that was a big reason why he committed. You know, they graduate their their center um, this year, and Miles is being told, and I believe, that he'll have a chance to go in there and compete right away. Uh, Miles keeps getting a little bit bigger. I know he was 270 last year at the opening regional uh, and he's, he's up to 312. So we yeah. put on uh, exactly 32 pounds in a year. And uh, and you can kind of see it. You know, he doesn't have his trademark lateral mobility and, and whatnot. I don't know what happened or why it happened. But for some reason, I took a video of Miles going against Kayvon Thibodeau at last year's opening regional. And for some reason, this thing is, is everyone's retweeting it like today and yesterday. Wow. It's got to be Washington fans because Miles is a, a Washington commit and, you know, Kayvon's an Oregon guy. Those two fan bases hate each other, but just looking at the difference mm-hmm. in his body yes. and just how well he moved in a year. So I, I, I'm hoping Miles will, will kind of, uh, you know, really commit himself to, to leaning out a little bit. You know, he's a guy who, with his frame, he shouldn't be 312. He should be closer to 285, yeah, agreed. 290. Yep. Agreed 100%. Uh, hey, let's stay with the Washington theme, though, Keith. Uh, a couple other guys from SoCal uh, are looking heavily. Jordan Banks, Narbonne High School. Uh, I talked to him at the seven on seven tournament, and I got a definite Washington vibe and a definite buzz. He said it set his official trip for the USC game in late September, and I think right now it's a Washington Alabama battle. You know, I think Alabama is is I mean it's it's Alabama. You don't need to really say anything else. I think if you're a kid and you have the opportunity to go to Alabama, it's uh I mean it's it's like the you know the L A Lakers sure. of college football. It's New York Yankees. Yeah. At the same time, you know, I think he has some people who feel like, you know what, Washington might be the best fit in terms of just playing time right away. Um, as much as I like Jordan, you know, there's a lot of Jordan Bankses at Alabama. There's not a lot of them at Washington. So potential early playing time. And, uh, and again, he, he just said they're, they're right now they're talking to him more than any other school. So uh, Jordan Banks looking at Washington, Bama, and then also James Smith from St. John Bosco, the corner. Uh, he's down to Oregon and UW. He is going to visit Washington at the end of this month. I believe he told me like July 25th, and then uh, he is going to commit probably either end of July or early that first week of August, and it'll be July. It'll be uh, either the Ducks or the Huskies. So those two schools, man, it's kind of funny. They're always kind of linked up together with those fan bases with a strong dislike, and then you know both those two staffs just kind of uh, you know seem to prioritize a lot of the same guys. And James Smith is a guy who right now uh, I think it's probably too close to call. I, he was a big Oregon lean until Washington offered him, and. You know, Oregon's advantage is Dante Williams. That's the coach he's closest with. Uh, Washington just offered him just a month ago. But with them, he, you know, he kind of said, hey, you play DB for Washington, you get drafted. You know, they do a great job developing. So that's kind of where his mindset is at right now. Couple, uh, curious about a couple things there, Greg. Um, you talked about uh, Washington, excuse me, not Washington, but uh, James Smith. From what I understand, initially, wasn't UCLA his dream school? Or did I misread that somewhere? Misquote that? Yeah, he, you know, he said, and it's kind of a running joke on UCLA message boards. It's like, can we stop with the kids saying we're our, you know, we're their dream school? We never get those kids. But he <laughs> said growing up, that was his favorite school. Okay. Right? That was his school he grew up with. Okay. But I just think, you know, nowadays with kids, I don't think they care as much about sure. who their favorite dream school was growing up. It's now more like, hey, 
what have you done for me lately? You know, sure. UCLA, three wins, and, and just they don't really connect as well as other staffs do. So although James was, was thrilled with the offer and that was his school when he was nine years old, I think right now he just has a better connection with Oregon and then with the Washington staff, I think he, he just sees development and the team that's competing, you know, for, for championships. So, yeah, UCLA, it, like, like I said, man, the fan base was just like, dude, we, we suck right now. We can't even get our guys who were dream school. Wow. Or he was, they were kind of like, you know, because I have to go on these message boards every day. Sure. You know, Clark Phillips, uh, you know, mom went to UCLA. Court Williams, dad went to UCLA. They're like, dude, does, any, they're like, does anybody do a worse job recruiting kids with us as their dream school or kids that have legacies? And their family. Does anyone do a worse job than us? And the answer right now is probably no. I don't think anyone does a worse job with uh, and it's not this current staff's fault. It's not Chip Kelly and the staff's fault. It's just UCLA's had some tough times and there's just not a lot of not a lot, not a lot of buzz right now for kids, you know, to wanna to wanna go there. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully they can turn it around in the next couple of seasons. Okay, so the second part the second part of the question that I had, it was a two part question. Um, Jordan Banks. A little curious about him, Greg. Met him a couple times. I think he's he was overlisted, overrated in terms of his size. They call him six three, six four, yep. whatever. Yep. Not true, right? Not nope. true at all. Six so one, two thirty. Right. Six one two thirty. Sounds a little bit more legit. Um I'm curious to know where these college coaches where where they're recruiting him to play. Because at six one two thirty, you think, okay, right now he's a, a backer. Yeah. And, and not just a backer. He's probably an inside backer. 100%. Okay. Um, and I know. Answer your own question. Okay. Because I know he was projected um, from what I've been reading and his profiles and so on and so forth, defensive end, outside linebacker. But apparently that's not the case. So, okay. Answer my own question. Jordan Banks, 6'1, 230. You're moving inside. And um, like you said, they got a lot of those guys out in Alabama. So, Washington may be a better fit. So, moving along, GB, what else you got? Yeah, so uh, Ryan Zanelli, you know, La Habra quarterback. Yes, absolutely. University of Pennsylvania. He got into their business school, which is very hard to do. So wow. good job for Ryan. Smooth, smooth lefty. Yep. And that, that's about it as far as commitment. We, we have some, some action later this month, though. Um, Lathan Ransom uh, out of Arizona, South Point Catholic, is actually going to announce later today, yep. maybe in Tuesday. So it'll be yesterday. But uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Texas are kind of his final three I'm a huge Lathan Ransom fan. For me, he's probably one of the top two or three safeties in the country. Love him. Uh, Court, Court Williams, I mentioned him earlier. Ohio State, um, I mean, he's still got all five schools that he visited. But for me, I think Ohio State, Penn State are probably the top two. Um, he also visited Tennessee, also visited Oklahoma, also visited Texas A&M. But I expect him to decide in the next couple of weeks. And then also Kendall Milton, um, he set a date. And I want to say it's on the 28th of this month. Okay. Um, I want to say that, but I'm not a thousand percent sure, but it's somewhere around that. It's whatever that Saturday is, uh, 27th, 28th, Saturday or Sunday. I, I got my crystal ball in Georgia, uh, LSU, Alabama, um, Ohio State, and Oklahoma were the other schools. You know, a handful of those schools took other running backs. Right. Uh, this year's running back class is probably as strong as I've seen in a long time. Very so, strong. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking to a lot of those coaches, uh, you know, some had Kendall, you know, first, some had him fifth. But even though being fifth, he was still a take, which you don't always see elite schools like those schools take their fifth guy. But it just goes to show that they value their fifth guy as much as their third guy and their sure. fourth guy. So, sure. um, 
I, I believe U, UGA is going to be the going to be the pick, but you know, I would say probably the other ones I think are squarely in there. Probably LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably Alabama. I think Bijan Robinson, who I love, uh, he is going to commit. I want to say August first. Is he Ohio be, State lean? He's rumored to be in Ohio State lean. Yeah, and then you have uh, Zachary Evans, mm-hmm. who is rumored to be in Alabama lean. Right. So. It's just it's dominoes, right? It's like it's literally sure. like, like quarterbacks. Sure. And so I, I think the way it all is going to unfold, I I could definitely see Bama taking Zach Evans, um, Kendall going to Georgia, Ohio State taking Bijan Robinson, and I, I think they're all going to be really excited about that. Man, what a, what a high end group of talented running backs across the country. I think you hit that on the head, Greg. I mean, for somebody to call Kendall Milton the fifth rated running back in the country is mind boggling for me. He's a special talent carrying the football seven yards deep in the backfield. That's a big, fast athlete with the football that can make people miss and run by people on the third level. But uh, yeah, like you said, dominoes are falling. Zach Evans, B. John Robinson. I hear Jason McClellan might be um, decommitting or committing and Seth McGowan. And I mean, he's good. They're, it's loaded. It's, they're all good. They're yeah, all yeah, very all good. Guys, yes. Just, I mean, the guy that... Uh that we love, actually. I'm trying to look up his name as we speak. You know, on, on Kendall, like, the only concern, it's not even, like, I, I like Kendall a lot, but he measured it at 230 at the opening, and again, you know, it's, wow. the, the way we're trying to do do, do rankings, is it's a projection. Yes. You know, we, we, we're trying to find the NFL comp of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of a top 100 player. When I say top 100, I mean top 100 draft, draft, draftable. So, mm-hmm. top 100 picks in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. A guy that was 230 coming out of high school um, Derrick Henry. Find, we couldn't find with Derrick Henry. Yep. Um, it's probably the closest thing. A little taller, probably a little faster. You know, Kendall's been a four six, four seven guy, whereas Derrick Henry was a legit four four guy in high school. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, so I definitely see Demarcus Bowman, who's, who's who I was thinking of earlier, Clemson commit, who's very very good too. So, um, but yeah, Kendall. I would love to see him closer to 215, 220, maybe improve his, his quick twitch. I think he is quicker than people think. Yeah. He always does pretty well in the cat and mouse, which is probably my least favorite drill, but he always seems to do pretty well in that. But I think I think he'd probably be better served to be closer to 220 than 230, and that's 10 pounds up yeah. from Oakland. So he's kind of he's kind of going you know, that, that direction. As opposed, if you're going 240 to 230, you're good. But if you're going 220 to 230, it's kind of like, okay, okay, Kendall. Let's let's rein it in a little bit, right? You want to let's work on speed, quickness, agility, rather than putting on some of that weight. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, great, great class. You throwing, yeah. you know, the guys you just threw out, Bajan, Bowman, uh, all those guys. Man, it's really it's a really really good class. When was the last? Back. When was the last time there was a running back class this deep at the high? Just you know, before we move on, Greg, do you remember? I can't remember, Keith. This I can't remember. this is pretty legit. Very legit. Yeah. Okay, well, there's uh, going to be some unhappy running backs in the rated fourth or fifth or sixth. But I mean, it's honestly Don Cheney who's going to Miami. Yes, that guy is special, I love special. Don. I love Don. I mean, these guys are all top fifty guys, but mm-hmm. they're still going to. You can be a top fifty running player and like the number seven running back, and mm-hmm. you know how kids are, man. Kids are going to be, you know, ticked off about oh, why aren't I, you know, rated higher? How I number like, dude. It's last year, you're probably going to be second or third. So, kind of put it in perspective. Get, get my Madden rating up, GB. Get my Madden rating Dude, how up. How funny. Those were funny watching the reaction. I, I kind of thought it was funny. I, uh, I loved it. I for sure thought it was funny. It could definitely correlate their reactions to the reactions of these players when these rankings come out. But, uh, you know, 
What are you gonna do? You can't make yeah, everybody honestly, happy. It kind of makes you. It kind of makes me not feel as, as annoyed about kids complaining when you got NFL guys complaining, right? Like, well, their kids don't yeah. grow out of it. Shoot, they don't grow out of it. They get more ticked off. Like, Keaton Allen's rant was hilarious to me. I'm not gonna play Madden. I'm 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 boycotting Madden because I'm taking my ball and going home. <laughs> right, Screw everyone. Right. They got me a 69 strength. Like I'm a little boy. I'm a little boy out there. That yeah. was pretty funny, man. But thank yeah. you, Greg, for that uh, recruiting info, man. That was good. That was good stuff. I'm excited about what Washington's doing and um, excited about those running backs. Uh, how about a guy like Mason West? Just kind of you know sneaking around the chicken coop and uh, continue to work and. Got a big Husky offer. Really proud and happy for him. Uh, that's a great thing for Coach Mazada in the, in the La Habra program. So, Absolutely. Um, let's move along, my man. It's time. It is time. Probably my favorite part of the show, just because we get to affect the lives of young people. It's time for our Sleeper of the Week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right. It is Sleeper of the Week time. I'm excited. I'm excited, Greg. Um, You brought this kid to the table, so I'm going to let you introduce him. So why don't you go ahead and take it away? Yeah, so, uh, you know, Romeo Pelham is a a guy I've known forever. I actually covered him in high school, and he's at Milliken now as the head coach. And, uh, you know, he's been talking about the the player. I probably should throw his name out there. Xavier Staples um, with a Z. Xavier Staples, receiver. Uh, He's a 2020 kid. Um, He'll be a senior next year. Long, really great looking frame i mean he's six two maybe six three runs track uh, my first question is always hey do you run track he runs the 400 uh, and he kind of looks like a 400 meter guy he's a, he's a long strider um still a little bit raw in some ways uh it was good to you know met him and, and that staff at millican they i mean i saw some old, some old school james boyd is helping with the quarterbacks donovan warren is out there Derek jones long beach Pauly, wow uh is there helping out so it was good to see all those guys and and so uh Derek, is kind of like saying, "Hey, man, I'm going to get him right. You know, I'm going to. He's going to get faster. He's going to get quicker. Obviously, those who remember Derek Jones can run like no other. Oh yeah. Uh, and so the guy catches the ball. He does a couple things that I thought are, are, are kind of hard to teach. Number one, he's just a real fluid athlete in how he moves, and he catches the ball extremely naturally. Doesn't fight it. Excellent body control. One hand, two hands. He just looks like an actual football player. Um, route running." Like I say, he's a fluid athlete, but he's still a raw route runner. A little stiffness in there at times. And I, I want to I see him improve his quickness, burst, top-end speed. Yeah. So like I said, he's more of a 400-meter guy than a – you know, if you're a receiver, that's great. But I like that initial – you know, I want I want a guy who's got that initial burst, getting in, get in and out of his breaks. But the upside is definitely there. He already has a, a few a few offers. Um, still kind of waiting for that first, you know, big P5 offer. Yep. But, uh, I, you know, he doesn't even have any junior film keys. He didn't really even play last year. Right. So, I mean – these offers that he's getting are just from schools kind of coming down to the school at Milliken. Yep. I said, okay, who's this guy? Right. Because uh, he really looks the part. So probably his best offer is, uh, I would say, Nevada. 
which shoot, nothing wrong with Nevada at all. Right. But I know they're going to push him hard, and they're going to feature him this year in the offense in the fall. I think he's going to be one of those guys. A lot of schools, you know, are going to kind of come on late once they see the senior film, and so I think he, his stock could really go up once the season gets rolling. No, that's that's uh, that's good stuff. Xavier Staples um, is a guy that. Like you said, coaches go by Milliken or they're in Long Beach, you know, checking out Polly, Cabrillo, whatever the case may be. You go by Milliken, you see this long, athletic kid running routes, catching the football. Xavier Staples, congratulations, my man. You're this week's Transparent Truth Sleeper of the Week. It's time to move along. Greg Biggins, I have been on a – man, this, you know, summers are always hectic. I've been on a 13-day journey. I spent – Probably a day and a half at home. I went from Dallas at the opening to Canton for, uh, I don't know what I was out there for. Back home, I was in San Jose with in-laws. Back home for half a day, then I was back at Canton for our Elite Academy. So I want to talk a little bit about our Elite Academy, World Bowl Elite Academy. Um, had a group out there from California. I want to talk a little bit about those guys and shout those guys out. So from Northern California, quarterback. Oregon commit Jay Butterfield, the six foot six gunslinger, pocket passer, but enough athletic ability to escape a little bit of pressure. I think Jay doesn't get enough uh, credit in that area, but Jay can move a little bit. You got to remember, he's a dual sport athlete. So Jay came out, had a great time, and uh, did a great job. Also, talking about Jamar Sacona, the big defensive tackle. Heavily recruited, Pac-12, Big Ten, SEC, Jamar Sacona. Let me tell you, Greg, a absolute ambassador for the game of football and the game of life. What a pleasure it was to be around this kid. An unbelievable young man with a terrific head on his shoulder. Uh, very bright, loves to give back to his community. And he, he just really represented... California and, and, and Northern California in particular down at the Hall of Fame. I really appreciated our time spent together. Jamar was an outstanding young man. Talk about um, another Northern California prospect, but in the 2022 class, Mr. Relique the Freak Brown. What up, Relique? That's my guy right there. Relique is a terrific young man and uh, spent time with him at the Hall of Fame and um, he's just a, a guy who he gets it. He gets it. He he's not the loudest guy in the room, but he's definitely one of the smarter kids in the room. Who's always gonna observe and absorb um, from his older counterparts and his contemporaries. And uh, and I appreciated that from Relik. And we had a great time. What up, Leek? That's my guy. Um. Moving down, I hope I'm not missing anybody up north, but moving down into Southern California, quarterback, Calabasas High School, Mr. Jaden Casey. It's great to have Jaden out, Calabasas quarterback. We had a we had a good time. He did a great job. Wide receiver, Calabasas, Mr. Johnny Wilson. Greg, I don't know if I've ever seen a high school kid, receiver at least, at that size move the way Johnny moves. I know there's a lot of debate. Is he going to get up to 240 and become a tight end? That definitely could, definitely may, may well happen. But <clears throat> for a guy to be that size and carry that weight 
at that size and Johnny looks great but he moves so fluid to be that big and that young um, you just don't see that you don't see that every year you don't see that every couple years it's just it's rare It's he has rare movement ability for a receiver at that size and at that age you just don't see it he's a special talent and I think once um, that I think once he taps into what he can be I think you're going to see a Johnny Wilson that's going to be virtually unstoppable it was great to have him out um, and then I hope I'm not missing anybody because I love all my guys, but how about 2022 offensive tackle St. John Bosco, Mr. Ernest, the beast, green. What up, E? It's my guy. We had a great time, and uh, I appreciate it, Big Ernest, for coming out. Again, he learned from the pro coaches. He got a chance to spend time with his upper classmates from around the country, and uh, we just had a, we had a really great time. Spent some time with Jaquindon Jackson, Probably the number one athlete in the country. Greg, this dude is something different. Jaquindon Jackson is different. 6'2", 220. I put out a pose. He's probably the only high school kid I've ever met that could win the Davey O'Brien or the Bednarik Award. And if people who don't know, that's the Davey O'Brien, that's the top quarterback award in college or that's the number, the best defensive player of the, of the year award in college. So, um... Jaquinnon is just a, a special talent, and got a chance to spend some time with him and talk about his past. and And uh, he's a great kid. Some other guys I just kind of want to point out really quick: Savion Burr. What up, say? Off big offensive tackle, twenty twenty one out of Duncanville. Him and Jaquinnon play on the same team, and Savion all of 6'5", 275 pounds. He's going to be a special player. There's no question about it. He's just um, he's got all the intangibles. He's got all the athletic ability. Um, he loves the game. He did a great job of working with younger kids and really promoting the game and being a, a peer t- tutor. But a great job by Savion Bird. How about Parker McQuarrie up out of New Hampshire? The UCLA commit at quarterback standing six foot. I'm going to call it six and a half. I don't like to call him six seven. Six, six and a half. A big Parker uh, did a nice job throwing the peel out there. A um, couple other guys. The former Californian. Turn, I guess, the former New York and turned California now back to New York. But how about 2021 athlete, maybe the number one all-purpose back in the country? You're talking about Seven McGee, special talent, 40-inch vertical, 439 speed. Seven did a great job showing his athleticism in his hands as well. I think last but not least, well, well, the last kind of group but not least, quarterback T.J. Finley out of Ponchatoula, Louisiana, LSU commit. Um, really, really wild people, not just on the field but off the field, showed tremendous leadership, showed a, a eagerness um, to be a catalyst, really has a burning desire to be great. And um, I think he's going to fulfill his dreams and be the quarterback that he wants to be at the next level and then at the next, next level. And I guess last but not least, and I know I'm, <clears throat> I'm not mentioning everybody. Sorry, fellas. Um, how about Demond Demas, the wide receiver out of Tumball, Texas, that's near Houston, the Texas A&M commit. What a special individual. Spent countless hours with Demas out in Canton, and I've just never been around anybody like this kid. 
Um, I like to compare him to just off the field, Odell Beckham on steroids. He's got an unbelievable energy about him. Um, he's a, he's an entertainer. I, if I was smart, I would pay for a camera crew to follow him around 24/7 his senior year. I'd make millions of dollars. He's he's a when people used to when people used to tell me, hey, this kid's a rock star or somebody's a rock star. I didn't really know what that meant per se, but now I do know. I mean, this kid is going to be a global superstar. There's not a better football player in the country. Pure point blank. This kid is going to be a global superstar. He's he's special on top of special, and again, he you know he's my number one receiver in the country. Love Fleming, but Demas is just something different, and uh, had a great time with him out in Canton. So um, I know I'm missing some guys out there. I love all you guys, but we had a great time. I had a lot of fun. Paintballing was crazy. So, but uh, the Elite Academy went up. Let's move along, GB. We're talking. So, go ahead. You know, I want to. I want to. I don't want to move off this topic. I just want to jump in really quickly. Okay. That. What you said about Demas, I totally agree with. His upside might be higher than anybody else in this class. Yep. For me, though, Keith, mm-hmm. I know you're, you're going to get a little defensive because that's your boy. No, won't to get defensive. What I, I I was assigned receivers. Yes. That we we had a position group. Mm-hmm. He's got a long way to go, Keith. I don't know if you watched them that closely. Mm-hmm. In terms of the elite elite guys, probably right now he is the most raw in terms of his route running. Yes, was was not good. Yes, his hands are average at best. He's great on deep balls and jump balls where you can just, you know, run underneath the football mm-hmm. on a deep ball or like, you know, he's he is the he is the freakiest athlete there. Yes. On the little jump ball, but if it's an out or a comeback or a skinny where he has to actually get his hands extended, it's a little shaky for me. And mm-hmm. the thing that I, I, I listened to you talk about so much about his Odell Beckham and Global and Star and all that, mm-hmm. like I saw a guy who needs to kind of rein that in a little bit. I saw a guy who three or four times, didn't even run his route when he knew it wasn't coming to him. He looked mm-hmm. stood, stood, stood up his hands at his waist. Yeah. He didn't even run the route. Yeah. Um, I saw a guy who told his coach there, you're not my real coach, I don't need to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I I think we, like, I know you feel the way I do about a lot of these kids who get too much too soon. Yes. You see it a lot in AAU basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, they get these sense of entitlement and mm-hmm. this big head. I hope for Demas, and for AM and for everyone else who's around him, that they kind of make sure the guy still is going to willing to put in the work because he he has a lot of work he still needs to go. His mm-hmm. ceiling is the highest, mm-hmm. but there's a few guys that had a, a, a significantly higher floor. And for those who don't know what a floor means, it yes. means if you go, to, it, your floor is how good you are now. Mm-hmm. Your ceiling is how good you can be if you maximize your potential. Mm-hmm. He has the highest ceiling. He is the best athlete in the class. Nobody can do the flips or the dunks that he can. Right. But I'm just saying the athletic gap between him and a few other receivers, Julian Fleming actually tested better than he did. Mm-hmm. And just kind of compare those two just from who's going to play like right now, right now, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Fleming, I think, is far more ready to go in in terms mm-hmm. of the routes, the, com- the compete level, the toughness. He's 10 pounds heavier, catches the ball a lot, lot, lot better. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. You might think Demas is ready to go to the NFL right now. I don't know. But, like, for me, man, I'm, I'm going to be watching him really, really closely in the next three or four years because he could be the number one pick in the draft yep. or he could be in the transfer portal. Like, I'm, I, he, the range is that far for me with him. I could not agree with you anymore. 
I love Demas. I, <clears throat> I met Demas for the first time at the opening, and we've built a special relationship um, from the first time we met. And Demond knows how much I love and care about him as a person, but extremely volatile, extremely volatile, extremely impulsive. He knows, we know he has some issues. He does not come from where Julian Fleming comes from. He doesn't have the background Julian Fleming has. He has his issues 100%. He knows it. I know it. I think people who have seen him in action, they know it. Is he a ready-made product right now? No. But I never um, I never said that my rankings, of, at least, are, are about right now. It's all about projection, right? So I don't need him to be a super fluent ball catcher right now. I don't need him to be a great route runner right now. And, and Demas and I talked about this. And we came to the conclusion that he's probably one-third of what he can be. He's probably 33, and, and that's the number we came up with. We sat and talked about it, Greg. Man to man. Inside the Hall of Fame, inside the bus room. He's probably about one-third. He, he said 25% of what he could be. I said, eh, maybe about one-third. 33.3% of what you can be. Now, Julian Fleming loved Fleming. Don't get me wrong. I, and I know people like to think, Greg, if, if you choose one guy to be ahead of another guy, you don't like the other guy or you think the other guy is crappy. Not true, right? Fleming, special talent, big-time player. He's more ready right now to go in and play than Demas. But no way do I believe his ceiling is higher than Demas. But his floor is higher. Demas has a low floor. Demas has a type of floor to where if he doesn't make the right decisions and he doesn't conduct himself the right way, not only will he be in the transfer portal, he could be in the homeless portal. He's got a very low floor. But at, with, with my experience with kids like this from the inner city, they need their handheld. They need mentors who have the right perspective and the right intentions. Um, and I'm and I'm glad to be on board as a mentor for Demond. He understands and is very aware of his issues, and he understands that he needs to get one percent better every day, and that's what he's working towards. Um, but a special young man. I've, I've never met anybody like this kid. Just he's so, so special. Um, the, so I, I feel better that that he's that he is aware of it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Because like, a lot of guys are, are blinded by the fact yes. that they are so elevated and everyone's kissing their tail and right. telling them they're the greatest. And, right. Which is what that's what's going on with him. Right. Like I said, it's got a really you see it a lot more, I think, with AAU basketball. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. But like the fact that he's aware of it and he's mm -hmm. ready to put the work in makes me feel a lot better. All, all rankings are about projection. So when I'm, you know, I you don't need to specify your rankings. They're all rankings are projection. Mm -hmm. But then when you when, with that projection, you have to make sure the kid can get to that ceiling, right? So right. That that's what's like, the probability? You know, like saying yeah, yeah, like Fleming, Jermaine Burton, G. Scott, like mm -hmm. all these guys have higher floors. 
Um, Gary Bryant has a higher floor, I think. I have He's a higher a floor. You higher, have a higher safer. floor. Yeah. But but uh, absolutely. So, but like I said, Demas could be the number one pick in the draft if he hits that ceiling. Now, the question is, you know, does he realize what he needs to do and will he have people around him pushing him and will he, will he accept that? Right. And, and hopefully he does. So, um, I feel better now that you said he feels he's 25. I thought you were going to tell me, if you're going to say, you know what, he thinks he's ready to go right now, he's just, you know, he's blah, 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 I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, that's a red flag. But if he's aware of it, then that, that's definitely a good sign. Gary, Greg, he's literally been playing receiver for about a year and a half of his life. He was a quarterback his whole life. Yeah. Up until... Yeah, I, know, I, I know I know the run is. The, the, the yeah. route running yeah. doesn't worry me. The, the hands a little bit, although mm-hmm. he's got big hands, so I, that can come. It mm-hmm. was more just like the, you know, just the, the not being, you know, a great teammate, coachable, mm-hmm. not even running the route. Yes. Like, that kind of stuff. Yes. You know, that bothered me more than, than, oh, for than, sure. than the shaky route. Right. Like I said, and I'll say it again, extremely volatile, extremely impulsive. He will need a structure at the college level that's conducive to his personal development. I'm talking off the field. On the field, you ain't got to worry about demons. He gonna get. He loves to work. He wants to be great. Jerry Rice is his favorite player of all time. You don't have to worry about that. Off the field, he he's gonna need a structure. He's gonna need a account a, a set of accountability. He's gonna be need an individualized behavioral plan to support his decision making process. I, so that's something that I'm helping him with. I'm, I'm glad to be on board, like I said, um, as a mentor for him. And I'll do everything that I can to help him improve and to make sure he stays on track and in line, in alignment with the goals and dreams that he has. So um, I think that about wraps that segment up. But <clears throat> it's... uh. It'll be a challenge. I'll say that. It'll be a challenge. Special kid, but it'll be a challenge. But he can do it. He can do it. Let's move along, GB. We, I saw you. I saw you, Greg Biggins, for a split moment at the Mission Viejo 7-on-7. You had your hat low. You had your phone in hand. I saw you. I mean, I'm probably, it was probably for a half a second. But I didn't see you again. How about that Mission Viejo 7-on-7, GB? Can can we shout out Mission Viejo for doing one hell of a job? Oh, it's funny. I I was there all day. Got really, really sunburned, but I liked it because it, you know. Yeah. It does. I don't peel or or burn. It turns turns dark and I feel good. Right. I feel more Hawaiian when I'm darker. Right. The the joke was, I've been coming to this tournament for a lot of years, and when, not to, not to, trash anyone but you know when Bob Johnson used to run the tournament it was designed for Mission Day to win it the, the next best team was probably Ocean View High School oh wow and, uh, and and now you look at it and it's elite teams everywhere I mean they even had Bishop Gorman until they bailed the week of but they had they had a, a, a stat every top team was there minus maybe a few who weren't able to make it but uh, yeah. anytime you have a final four of modern day Bosco Mission Corona Del Mar Centennial Narbonne was in the quarters. Yeah, Servite actually gave Bosco the toughest game outside of pool play. I watched that game and and Servite, I love this, went for two in the win. Yeah, and and, and didn't go to my guy T Mac, but still wow. raised out by Servite. But um, 
lot lot of lot of great athletes. Hmm. It's always good when the when the best players play their best. John Humphreys was ridiculous. Again, watching him made me scratch my head. Why wasn't this guy at the opening? Because he definitely deserved it. And he probably had the most dominant wide receiver performance there by a by a large margin. Yep. Logan Lawyer probably number two. But uh yeah, Keith, it was a good day. I, I saw you from across the field also. I think I saw you either right before the modern day Boston game or right after. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I know I know you texted me and said you're you're coming up and you probably got there right right around the time pool play ended. So you probably yes. got to see a lot of the you know, a lot of the good teams going head to head. It's such it's so spread out, that's the only negative. They had one right. pool at a different campus. Right. And I didn't get to even go see, you know, CDM Narco Servite until after after pool play. So that's the, if there is a critique, you know, it would be nice if they're all on one location. Right. But the fact is, they had a lineman thing going on too. So right. they just, the field space was kind of taken up by by them, but by the big uglies. Yep. But uh, no, Chad Johnson did, did a phenomenal job, and you know, I, you know, strategic. Yep. I like how he did it. Had the two training league powers facing each other in the semis. Got got to do that mission. CDM the other semifinal. Um, but no, Chad Chad did a phenomenal job. Yeah, I thought the organization was really well. <clears throat> I thought the structure was really nice. Um, I thought, you know, I didn't have a bunch of parents on the sidelines for me um, so I could navigate and, and talk to who I need to talk to, whether it be coaches and asking about a player or a player asking some information or whatever the case may be, or just kind of getting a good view of the action, right? And then, you know, sometimes you get 50 parents on the sideline, you can't see anything because the parents are halfway on the field. The band is on the field. So it, it was. It, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the lineman competition. Shout out to Mission Viejo boys getting it done in the tug of war. That was a lot of fun. How about Bosco dominating modern day in the tug of war? Doesn't mean they're going to dominate him on the field. Just dominate him in tug of war. Big Maximus Gibbs leading the charge in the front. I love that kid, man. I'm rooting for that kid, man. Um, so that was great to see. Like you said, uh, very impressed with John Humphrey. This is, I think this is my first time really seeing him live, Greg. I was really impressed. I was really impressed. He's really good. He's really good. Um, I'm thinking of a comp right now. I'll probably come up with one later, but he's just really good. Big. He's faster than I ever thought he was. Um, and he's got terrific hand-eye coordination and, and tracking ability. The guy tracks the ball down deep, you know, effortlessly. And he just It's like a magnet to his hands. Give a shout out to Chase Garbers. I'm sure he has something to do with that, throwing great balls. Um, saw modern day Bosco. That was a fun game. I know you said uh, Logan Lawyer. I thought he looked good. I thought um, McDuffie, Joe McDuffie looked good. Um, I thought uh, Kyron Hudson who looked really good. Looked really good. I was very impressed with Kyron. His ability to run routes, catch the ball smoothly, create separation, and just his demeanor and mentality on the field. He looked really good. He's going to have a really good year. Um, DJ, so I was on the field, Greg, and I analyzed basically you know, almost every throw, every throw that I saw cleanly from DJ and Bryce. DJ started off slow, struggled a little bit, throwing the peel, being accurate. He was high. He was behind guys. Then he kind of caught fire in the middle of the field, kind of mid-game and later on in the game. Um, 
I thought some of his reads weren't proper. Um, as as I remember, like the first ten, um, he found an open guy, but I don't think the read was right. <clears throat> but I thought he heated up later on in the game and got better and better. And uh, you know, once DJ gets hot and gets in rhythm, he's a big time problem. I thought Bryce was exceptional throwing the football out of his first. I did I did his first ten passes just in terms of reads. He got the read right all ten times. Um, in terms of his accuracy, he was nine for ten on um, elite throws, and the one he wasn't elite on, it was a it was a it was a very good throw, and that was the one to C.J. Williams in the end zone that C.J. couldn't come up with. I thought Bryce could have put a prop, maybe an extra half a yeah. yard on it or so. He was also the other one I saw. He was late on on the third down, late skinny post to Kyron. That was uh, a DB got a hand in there. I was in the back of that end zone, so I mean he throws that a half second earlier. That's a when, 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 when did that throw? Because I didn't catch every throw. Yeah, so it was kind of it was it was Bosco was up a score. It was probably middle to late in the game, so it was a, it was a key okay. point. It was a third down throw with a deep post. Yeah, um, and Cowan was open. You saw the separation, right? And Bryce threw it. And I know Bryce would say he threw it a half second late mm-hmm. to DB and getting the hand in there and batting away. And that was a turnover on Dallas. And Bosco scored. You go up two scores. Now it's basically you go up two scores in seven on seven. Seven yeah. on seven. Game, mm-hmm. Game's over. Especially with, yeah, DJ was was rolling and and I didn't really like modern day's defensive alignment. They're by far their best cover linebacker is is uh, Rayshon Davis. He was in the middle play. of the field. Right. He, he, yeah. He half the time he didn't play. Half the time he was in the middle of the field. I was talking to. I was. I was literally there talking. To, to some parents, and they were saying, "Yeah, they wanted to run their regular defense, so their, which I respect." Yeah, absolutely. And it, their regular defense next year is going to be—he's going to be in that Bruce McCoy rush the passer Edge mode. So, yeah, good, but he's good for by them. Far their best cover backer, and they were killing him on the underneath stuff. Bosco, yeah. it was like the replay of the first game they played last year in pads, just underneath, 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 and they weren't able—they they gave up so much little stuff, and then yeah, uh, you know, Chris Hudson. Uh, credit him. That was probably his best game of the tournament. You know, committed had Damani committed two PIs against them, and Chris got open a couple times. Logan was turning guys around. One of them was um, a bad call, Greg. Well, you remember that? You, did you see the deep ball? Okay, so I wasn't. I was on the other end. Yeah. So I wasn't near the end zone, but it looked like Damani had really um, closed the perfect airspace. Coverage. Yeah, and then that knocked was the, the most ball away. Part key. So he he had perfect coverage, but he he was grabbing his arm the whole entire time. Oh, okay. One, one of those where you don't need to do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So how many DBs do you see where they're literally in perfect coverage? The head's turn. I'm going, that's an interception. Yeah. But unfortunately, he had his he had his Hudson's right arm wrapped up. He panicked up. a little. He panicked a little. Yep. I don't even know if it was panic. I almost think like, I think a lot of corners just kind of feel like, dude, some corners do panic, but with him, like he was, he was running stride for stride. The head turned around. He didn't look on his face. He didn't look panicked. I just feel like a lot of these guys just are so used to grabbing and clutching that they do it without thinking about it. And he was in perfect position that he mm-hmm. to do it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, from the other end, I'm thinking, no way oh, is that passing the fan. Right? Yeah. He, I mean, he, I mean, he's such a great athlete. Um, I mean, he can really get on that highway. But um, you know, whatever the case may be, but I. Back to the original point, modern day playing their season's defense, that's the right way to do it, Greg. What do you get for winning a 7-on-7 tournament? You know, a little trophy? I would rather have my guys prepare for, you know, Friday nights and, and, and making sure that my sub packages are good and guys are getting experience in the position they're going to be playing, so on and so forth. So, um, 
But it was a good game. I mean, I love the the Bosco modern day rivalry. I call it the Infinity War. Um, no matter where they play or what they're playing, it's always very intense, very physical, and it's always a battle. But I left that game with one with with one inclination. I left that game with one vision, Greg. There was no doubt to me in my mind. And it wasn't because of that game. It just kind of reaffirmed and reinforced what I had been thinking for years, what I had come to a conclusion with about maybe a week or so ago that I felt compelled to type out an entire narrative, an entire article, an entire you know story about Bryce Young and how he is my new number one player in the country. And I felt very, very strongly about it. That's why I did it. Um, I've always thought Bryce was really special. Two, you know, a year and a half ago when they were sophomores, they meaning you know the 2020 class. I said Bryce was the guy then. I still believe he's the guy. And if you just look at his track record and his ability to put on virtuoso performances on the biggest stages, whether it be ESPN whether it be versus IMG or whether it be versus Bosco for the CIF championship, the guy just outperforms everybody else, every big game. And, um, you know, I didn't get a lot of flack for it, Greg, which was interesting. I was expecting a lot of flack. I no. didn't. No, I think no way. I've, people said, hey, there's a lot of evidence in what you wrote, Keith. There's a lot of receipts there. That's hard <laughs> to argue. Flack. Go ahead. I gave you some you, flack. You did? You gave me a little o- flack? Only, be, only because of of, uh, of you saying you've been watching football for 55 years and you're only like 30 years old. I'm going, come on now, Keith. Stop with that nonsense. Hey, man, you'd be surprised. You were not watching football at three years old. Enough to be able to break down quarterbacks. Not, br- like, not, not break down quarterbacks, but I've been watching ball since I was three, four years old. Seriously. But that doesn't count. That's like, it, well, my it, mom went to a surf contest. It counts, Greg. Womb. Does that it, count? It counts. It, count. it does count. I remember, yeah. I remember, I remember uh, Gene Voltnager coaching Carson and, Keith, and, and all the I know, great players. I know you're Keith, Keith, Keith going Keith on. I know, you're, I, know I, I affectionately call you the narcissist. But you cannot tell me that until you became at least 17, 18, 19 years old, you could affect – that's when you first be, be able to truly evaluate players' no. positions. No, wrong. Totally wrong. No, thir- no 5-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old has any clue what they're looking at. I don't care if it's Sean McVay or, or anybody. You don't know at that early age. It's impossible. Greg, Especially don't, when you're 3 years old. Don't put everyone else's limitations on me. God blessed me with something special, and I do not allow people to put those limitations on me. I was drawing up plays at five years old on my own. I was, you got to remember, I had older brothers who played ball. I've been involved in ball since I was three. Watching guys, analyzing what they do. Maybe I didn't have the vocabulary. Maybe I didn't have... Uh, the complex, you know, brain capacity at that time to totally break them down. But, oh, I was watching and I understood what a guy could do, what he should do and what he didn't do. 
No question about it. Yeah, I, I that I will call. not budge on. I, you know what? I don't think I, I. I believe that you believe that. I do believe that, and I have I receipts. That you believe that. I, I have receipts. That you actually knew what you were looking at at five, six, seven, eight years old. But I believe that you think you did. So we're on the same page from that standpoint. Okay. Um, no, dude, Bryce could very well be the number one pick in the draft, and I don't. You can't. You can't argue that. The way the quarterback game is going, or the way the NFL draft is going, mm-hmm. quarterbacks have to be rated higher than any other position player, even if you don't feel they are the best. Yes. Player. Um, so for someone to say that Bryce is my number one, my my other issue, I don't think I expressed this with you, was that. Um, you just came out with your little top 15 last week, mm-hmm. and he was like number seven. Mm-hmm. And now he's number one after watching a seven on seven, which no one devalues seven on seven more than you. So I was a little bit surprised to see you move him up from seven to one in a week mm-hmm. based off of what you saw in an event that you don't even respect that much. Right. That kind of surprised me. But if you would have had, if you would have had Bryce number one last week, mm-hmm. I would have been like, dude, that's no argument at all. Yeah, he's I'm better at the same stage right. than Baker Mayfield was. Yeah, for sure. Baker went number one. I still like Sam Darnold better, but whatever. And I like, I think Bryce is better than Kyle Murray at the same stage. Kyle just went number one overall. So I had no issue with that. I just, I just didn't love the, you're, you're three years old and that you're saying you just came out with your top 15 a week ago and now mm-hmm. he's moving up from, from seven to one. But I have no issue. No one, I, I, honestly, I've been in rankings means, means all week, Keith. Nobody would have an issue with Bryce being number one. Like he's, He's special, and also he plays a special position. So right, um, and just to just to justify his move, you got to remember went to the opening, had to get a chance to digest the opening, um, and I had already had been thinking about Bryce at number one. Um, got a chance to see him again. Because you know, I haven't, I haven't. Remember, I don't, I don't do the off season All Star seven. So I haven't seen Bryson since uh, the champion. The, the prior to, I don't even think I watched the state title game. I watched the Bosco game. That was it. So I haven't seen him since then. Um, so you go to the opening, you're like, okay, wow. Then you go to the Michigan, you're like, okay. It just reaffirms what I'm already thinking, That's right? Fair. And just okay. because of timing. When I put out that top 15, it was just because of timing, but it just reaffirmed, okay, this guy can put the ball wherever he wants. He knows exactly who to go to based on the coverage that's given. He understands the little nuances of the quarterback position to really throw guys open, to move defenders and manipulate them with his shoulders and his eyes. He's just ridiculous. And so, um, I like again, I felt compelled to move him to number, he's the. I called him the king of high school football. To me, he is. It just was. You have to admit, though, just people who listen to you and how much you disparage seven on seven football. For yeah. You to move him up from seven to one. Right. After seeing him, it, it kind of looked like I'm ready to kill my dog right now. Supposed <laughs> to hear the, the barking. Might might hear a yelp any second now. Um. Yeah. That was that was my my conjecture was like. Right. He should have already been number one in your eyes because you'd already seen him where it matters most. You saw him in real pads. Right. And that's what that's, I guess that's where seven on seven can reaffirm for you. I've seen him in real pads. So just watching him in seven on seven and how he can manipulate people and how he controls the game and the tempo, it just reaffirmed for me what had I already thought. But I hadn't, I just hadn't seen it. And, you know, since December and we're in July. So it's been, you know, virtually six months since I've seen it. And you're like, okay, 
I've seen all I need to see because I've seen him in pads. So it wasn't like the 707 did it for me. It just, again, confirmed my belief and gave me the um, it gave me what I needed to make to make the move to number one for Bryce, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I love him. I think everyone does. It was kind of cool. You know, our national guys at the opening, that was kind of the first time seeing him. And it was funny. People were asking, hey, you know, Bryce kind of got bent. CJ Stroud came in and caught fire. Is Bryce going to, is that going to hurt his stock? I'm like, hurt his stock? You know, he's, he's moving way up. Like, we already knew he was great. Now these guys have seen him for the first time and seen him on that stage and what he can do with football. There was definitely no moving down because he got taken out of the game for, I'm still not 100% sure why, but ended up being a great thing for C.J. Stroud, who lit it up, and hopefully, you know, we're going to see his recruitment take off right yeah, now. So you will, you will. Uh, I love C.J., man. He, he can go, so that was great to see. I remember we talked about him after the Oakland mm-hmm. regional. I go, you know what, yep. Bryce, or, uh, you know, D.J. was there, Butterfield was mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. My favorite guy was C.J. Stroud that, yep. that particular day. You know, I will say, I'm not going to defend our ranking, but uh, I actually thought DJ performed really, really well over the. That was my first time seeing him all summer, all spring. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't played as much in spring or summer. Right. Um, watching him, I watched his whole game against Servite, and then I watched the modern day game, and then half of the CDM game. And for me, I was seeing the game kind of slow down for for DJ. For me, he's he's extremely accurate. Um, people don't give enough credit for just being accurate and hitting the guy in stride. Some of those throws, I, I hit. I saw him hitting Logan Loya a couple times early, which Logan gets so much separation. But um, I thought I I have seen some strides in DJ in terms of making quicker decisions and and quicker reads. I, he, he can get better at that, but I still thought he had a good tournament overall. And obviously, I think you always get your quarterback by who wins the thing and. Therefore, you know, I think DJ, you have to give him the, the MVP just because Bosco won the whole thing. You can give someone else maybe the MOP, but MVP goes to the winning quarterback unless it's, you know, when it's seven on seven. So I thought DJ made a nice jump for me. Again, that was my first time seeing him since. See, you sound like me. I, I don't remember when I last time I saw him. You sound like me. Maybe since, well, Bryce has been active though. Bryce has done a lot of stuff. So I expected... You know, Bryce to be sharp. He's been playing every throwing every weekend. DJ took summer spring off to do baseball. Right. Hurt his hand and then missed missed a lot of action. So um But you just hadn't seen him. I hadn't seen him. Right. No, I hadn't seen him. I like what I saw. Um I think that Bosco offense, I love Speedy Luke out of the backfield. Oh my guy, is he fast? But I'll tell you what, Keith, yeah. that secondary for Bosco's gotta get better. Man, they better get I, better. Fast. They got a guy they got a lot of guys. <laughs> But they need to have a guy who's going to really step up and be a shutdown guy. James Smith. I don't see it out there. I don't see it out there. He was on and off. And Mm -hmm. I don't think he even played in the modern day game. No, he was hurt. I think he was a little banged up. Josh Alford I like. Mm -hmm. Um, I like some of their young kids. I like the safeties. John John Vaughn is getting really big. Looks more like a backer to me. Um, Jake Newman made some plays. But just last year's secondary, when you have Chris Steele as your number two corner, I mean, think about that for a second. Chris Steele was last year's number two guy. Yeah. Good like, point. So Bosco, for me, I love their offense, but I definitely want to see that secondary pick up its game quite a bit, and they're going to have to. Yeah. I uh, want to jump on that bagwagon really quick before we get up out of here. Um, I like Josh Alford, but he has some limitations, right? Um, Humphreys took him to school, to school, school in that championship game. Um, Smith. He's a he's a he's a projection over production guy for me right now. 
So if you look at that Bosco secondary, there's not, you know, essentially a lockdown cornerback, which is, um, I think, going to really be an issue for them come the season. So um, we'll see. And, and then they don't boast a supreme pass rush. You know, are they going to get home with four with this group? They lost mostly everybody. I mean, Kobe Pepe, we know is a big-time player, but other than that, up front, Greg, I don't see a guy winning one-on-one, you know, 50% of the time. So yeah, like off the edge, right? And that right, guy. Right, you're right. Like a Cole Aubrey, right? You don't yeah, see a, no. I don't see a Cole Aubrey. I don't see a Brew McCoy. I don't see a Ray John Davis. That's gonna be an issue. That that in front. I want to get back to DJ really quickly. Um I did not see DJ the the entire tournament. I did watch him against Modern Day. He for me, he struggled with accuracy. Out of the first ten throws, I think maybe he threw two or three good balls. Everything else was behind, high, low. He struggled with accuracy. I thought he heated up when he found some holes in the middle of the field, and I thought he played well um, the rest of that, I guess it was the semifinal game. But in t- with DJ, though, it's n- for me in my um, evaluation of DJ, it is nothing from seven on seven can help him for me. But, well, let me, let, me, let, me, let me go back. Him reading defenses, yes. But I, I didn't think he did a great job. I thought he did a decent job. I didn't think he did a great job. He missed, out of the first 10, he missed probably four or five reads for me. Now, I could be wrong. They could have it schemed another way. But I'm just talking basic route concepts and combinations. Given the coverage, went to the wrong guy. Okay, Took the five yard out instead of the skinny with an outside leverage corner and a safety on the hash rotating to the middle of the field. Skinny's wide open. That's just an example that, that I saw. Um, but for me, it's, it's in pads, in, um, conf- with, with confusion in the pocket. With confusion in the pocket, right? Um, to me, that's where he struggles the most. He gets a little uncomfortable. His eyes drop. He tucks that chin. He puts the ball in his arm. He turns into a fullback. That and that is very hard to correct, Greg. That is instinctual. The hardest thing to correct on a football field or for anybody in any endeavor is their instincts, natural instincts. For me, that's where DJ struggles, big time. Go back to look at that modern day game in the championship. One for eleven in the second half. Two interceptions. And watch how many times, because I've studied it. I've done the research. I've done the analytics. I've studied it. Same thing against Jay Sarah. A little bit of pressure. Chin comes down. Ball gets tucked. And he turns into a fullback. Can't help that in seven on seven. But that's something that they will have to correct at Clemson. Because it's a problem. I'm just going to be honest. If If people don't like it. Sorry. It's a big problem. It's an instinctual thing. And to correct him out of his instincts is going to be a big time challenge. So there. That's what it is. This is the transparent truth. I am Coach Keith, and, and I'm giving it to you raw. Like it, love it, or leave it. GB, that's all I got. Yeah. No, I, I think I, I agree with part of that. I, I do agree that his first inclination as a thrower you know, that first read is open, boom, it's out, it's it's accurate. Yes, yes. And the areas to improve. But I, I, I don't think, I've seen, maybe I've been 
doing this, not since I was three years old, um, mm-hmm. but since I was a long, 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 long time studying, mm-hmm. being in a lot of quarterback rooms, mm-hmm. lead 11, I have seen a lot of guys way, way worse than DJ in terms of being a one-read guy and, and not being able to scan the field, who got t- to college, the game slows down, the light bulb comes on, they get it, I've seen it, and I, I believe that he has the mental capacity to do it. I've seen guys, Carson Palmer was a one-read guy his last year at USC, won a Heisen Trophy. Mm-hmm. Like Norm Chow told me, <clears throat> we told Carson, if your first read is not open, throw it to the running back out of the backfield. They didn't trust him going to a second read. Right. <clears throat> um, Carson was a guy who you talked to in high school. He was a little on the, he was a little on the slower side. Mm-hmm. DJ is not a slow kid. Like mm-hmm. there's guys who play quarterback that just aren't super quick. You kind of talk to him and you kind of feel like, okay, this guy is not really understanding what I'm saying to him. You're just, you'll say, hi, how you doing? It's kind of like, they just seem slow. That's not DJ. So I think mm-hmm. he has the mental capacity to do it. Mm-hmm. He's not as far along as, as Bryce at this point, but I definitely feel confident that when he gets to Clemson, he will be able to have a lot of success. Because I've seen guys worse off than him have yeah. that kind of success. Carson just being one easy example because, you know, he won a Heisman with the first pick in the draft and was, like I said, was that was his third year at USC. So... You, you can definitely get better in that area. Yeah, I, I think you might have misunderstood me a little bit. I just want to clarify. I'm not saying that he can't get better reading the field, and, and I think that's where you were going with it. Definitely feel like he has the capacity. Definitely think he can get better in that area and has the capacity to get better in that area. My evaluation says when there's conflict in the pocket, his eyes go to the rush, he tucks his chin, and he tucks the football and becomes a runner. Even when maybe, you know, nobody's in his lap. It's just, you know, um, he's feeling the pressure when maybe it's not even there. And first instinct is tuck the football, put my head down. You know, I, I got you. Okay. And I'm not disagreeing with that. I think a lot of that also just happens. To just, it's not, I'm not making excuses for him. I think a lot of that also is just from experience, right? I mean, just comparing him to Bryce, from the second Bryce played football cathedral, he was taking one step drops and having twelve guys trying to kill him. So, okay. DJ, good point. He's probably only played against two teams that actually had a, a pass rush. That was Jay Sarah the first time, and then or, good point. Jay Sarah, then good. Day, the, I agree. The second time around last uh, time. So I, I yes. think yes. the game has to slow down for him, no doubt. Um, yeah. Agree so with I'm that. I'm not screen with with where the, where the eyes go. I, I saw it too. I said it on the show. The eyes go down, and he's he's not. He needs to get better in terms of making that first guy miss, slowing the game down, mm-hmm. extending the play, mm-hmm. and not just on a design rollout, just right. ex- organically as right. the rush is coming in, yes. be able to organically, you know, Sam Darnold was phenomenal at, at this. Yep. Just, you know, game slows down. You're, 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 you're not even playing football. You're kind of playing tag a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. You're kind of just playing smear. Oh, I can't use that term anymore. No, but, you can't do uh, that. <laughs> uh, you, you know what I'm saying, right? You're, you're just kind of playing a game. I, I, so I... Not to belabor the point. Yeah, it's uh, we gotta gotta tr- cut this baby down to an end. So, yeah. um but I hear what you're saying, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think I think my point is is similar, but I also think I, I don't have a concern about it moving forward. Is what I guess what I'm trying to say. Okay, sounds good. Um, man, good show, a lot of fun, um, a lot of really good dialogue. Appreciate it. 
And uh, thank you all for listening. I know we're going live on Twitter this entire time, Twitter Periscope. So appreciate you guys who are tuning in and asking questions. Um, we're going to try to bring something a little bit more dynamic to you, get Greg on screen and um, get some highlights going as we're talking. We got I got some things that I'm cooking up, but, you know, give me some time. I got about, I'm like a Punjabi. I got about 50 other jobs to do. But uh, hang in there. It's the Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. It's your man, Greg Biggins. Until next time, there's a new sheriff in town. And his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.